podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it. Welcome back, podcast patrons. Another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. And we have, you know, quite frankly, probably one of my favorite tour pros out there. And I can officially say right now, PGA tour pro, Mr. Brent Grant. Brent, what's going on, my man? Nothing much, Dan. Just uh, enjoying the uh, off season of, well, I think it's about four weeks long and trying not to. Uh, make it go by too fast but pretty thankful to have a short one for sure so there, there's a ton to touch upon last we spoke you were a member of the corn ferry tour um and then kind of a, a seminal moment in your life i would assume sunday in, in newburgh indiana you drop this what 30 35 foot putt um let out, you know, what I think was one of the coolest moments on the Corn Ferry Tour, just a big, you know, fuck yeah, I'm ready to get after it. And, <laughs> dude, you've got fire in your eyes. It looked like you were going to snap your caddy in half. And uh, it, it was one of the coolest moments of the Corn Ferry Tour season. Like, tell me about that, dude. Yeah, so uh went into the day. Um, I think I needed a tee. 11 or 11th alone or something like that to guarantee the card. Uh, the way it shook out was I dropped, I went into 16 and I had seven birdies on the day. And I think it was, I think I was probably four or five under or something like that at the time and bogeyed uh, 16 and 17 going into 18. Uh, I thought I had to make birdie to get my card it turned out that um by making birdie it gave me 11th alone and it put me at like 31st in the reorder ranking so it was like i was like 15th or something like that uh through finals and then so i hit the tee shot um probably one of the more nerve-wracking tee shots even though it was only a two iron into a freeway sized fairway uh and then um hit a nine iron to about 40 or 45 feet up the hill goes left and then back to the right it went back to the right and if anybody saw the footage it was point in the air and and uh two of the largest roars i have ever let out in my life it that must have been yeah it must have been just years of kind of pent-up emotion released out there and, and i loved it because it was just raw you know and I mean, you you know, you see guys out there. So many people out there are just so guarded. They're so buttoned up. They're they're afraid to be themselves. And a moment like that, I think, really endeared you to a whole entire new audience of golf fans. Well, I'm definitely definitely thankful for for that. But it was like you said. I mean, it was raw. It was real. It wasn't. Uh, 
it wasn't planned. Um, you know, had I had I not bogeyed, uh, excuse me, it wasn't 16 and 17. It was uh, seven. Yeah, it was 16 and 17. Had I not bogeyed 16 and 17 and, and part 18, you know, I'd have been I'd have been a shot better, and and you know, it would have worked out completely differently. But um, you know, for it to work out that way, when it happened and and where it happened, and you know, with with some of my family there, my girlfriend there, my coach there. Um, you know, obviously Chris, my caddy was, was, uh, along for the ride as well, uh, which was a blast. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of cool because, uh, you know, the whole weekend we were basically on, uh, coverage from minute one. So me and Gary were became pretty close by the end of the week and, and uh, when I dropped that putt, it was there was probably you know it was a good sized crowd, and everybody was pretty hammered by that point. And so <laughs> it was it was it was a good time for me to be me. And um, you know the footage speaks for itself. It was pretty uh, pretty surreal, and it didn't really hit me until probably midway through my second event on the PGA Tour. Now, just out of curiosity, I mean, you know, me being a, a crappy amateur golfer, or maybe even a little bit, you know of a decent amateur golfer, you know, I look at a putt like that and I'm literally just trying to get it somewhere near the hole. You know, like I, I'm trying to get into the range where I'm like, okay, I can have a tap in. Like, I'm not scared for my next, yeah, you know, my sure. comeback putt. Um, you know, like, honestly, is, is that a putt that you're trying to make or are you as well looking for, you know, a foot radius, foot and a half radius or so? You know, I, honestly, um, in that moment, and, and the moment changes everything, right? And if you talk to any any pro or high level amateur worth their salt, they'll tell you that that um, you know the moment changes a lot. Um, but the only thing you can't let it change is your routine. And honestly, I, I walked and stalked that putt for probably a minute, and the entire time, you know, I was I I was getting I was getting chills, and I could feel my body shake. And and I was just asking Jesus to be with me the entire time. And and uh, the amazing thing was, is when I when I hit that putt, and the greens were a little slower because it had rained, and the greens, you know, it, it basically was probably up a four 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 and a half percent slope. So it wasn't a wasn't a flat putt by any means. But like I said, when I hit that putt, I hit it solid, wrapped it right on my line, and and it was I watched it, and I could still I could still see it now. It goes up the hill kind of goes left and then as it goes up and down back down the, the other side of the hill it just kind of tracks back to the right and camera guy got a great angle of it and um you know I pointed the finger out there and and it's it just like I said I mean the routine stays the same and if it happens to go in great um but I thought I felt I had to make it and um I asked for a little bit of help and he was with me and the putt happened to to go in do you do you feel like that's almost an outer body experience? You know, like w w when you watch that video and I'm sure you've seen it before, um, yeah. right? When you watch that from the coverage, from the angle the cameraman got, does it, does it feel like you? <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't even know, man. Honestly, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it was, I know that everything that happened was as real uh, and as authentic as it could have possibly have been, but so we were 
we were on Golf Channel for probably another week or so, and we had a couple of interviews, and of course they showed it several times uh, throughout the throughout the week and throughout the interview, um, and that was when it sort of felt like, oh, that really didn't like did that really happen? Was that really is this happening to me? Sort of thing, and and you sort of get imposter syndrome um, when you're interviewing on the Golf Channel or or you know for something like for you and I we we have a obviously a, a great rapport and we've known each other for years and 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 whatnot and so it's a little different. But when you know for a fact that it's going to be shown to you know millions of people and and you just you know you look at pictures and videos of it and you're just kind of like. This doesn't it doesn't seem real um, because those kinds of moments to me have only ever happened to the best players in the world. Um, and, you know, even then it's it's I've only ever watched that happen when when Tiger or Rory or or those guys do it. And now I've got the opportunity to not only to not only compete with these guys, but do that exact same thing, um, which, again, would be. Uh, as real as as anything. Yeah, you talk about best players in the world. I mean, not that you weren't before, but n- now you've got this entire tour behind you. You've got this card. You're you know full-fledged member of the PGA Tour. Um, how is that transition for you? Going from you know what we know is a little bit more of a grind on the Corn Ferry Tour with the travel to the fall series on the PGA Tour. Yeah, so I think we had, I think we had a week off, um, and it was probably the shortest week ever. Uh, you know, Sunday, Sunday night. I don't even think I left the course until about eight, um, and then I think we had, we, had, uh, my girlfriend and I, spent Monday in Indianapolis um, because we had some travel snafus and stuff like that, and had a nice dinner on Monday night and whatnot, but, <clears throat> but. And then we got home Tuesday and, you know, I was set to leave or we were set to leave on, I think, Friday or Friday or Saturday morning to go to Napa. So, I mean, there was literally no time uh, to get anything organized. And, you know, I've had, I, I think I, I went through um, two caddies and learned a lot and. You know now now with my buddy JP and and he and I have, he and I are great and we're looking forward to to restart the year but I mean it just there was no time to settle there was no time to be like oh we're on the PGA tour now it was like <laughs> okay you're here now so figure it out and you know like most things and I've told I've told probably a half dozen people this but if it if my first year on the PGA tour is a huge grind. And which, you know, I don't think any year isn't, but, um, you know, a grind when maybe I'm not playing in the majors, maybe I'm not playing in the elevated events, but <clears throat> I keep my card for next year and I'm playing in the ele- elevated events next year and so on. It's, it's still better than being on the corn Ferry tour. And I think that that was probably the first thing uh, that I noticed right away was that it's just not even close, man. I mean, when you show up, you can rely on eight, eight or nine more th- better things or things being better than, than they would be on the court trade tour, whether it's the food, the golf courses, travel, um, 
you know, player services or, or whatever. And it's just, it's, it is the show. I mean, it literally is everything that, um, you know, we dream about or we talk about. There are a few things that obviously aren't the best thing in the world, but you sort of get, you sort of, you know, those get sort of passed by by how good, and to be honest, and how much flipping money we're playing for, which is an absolute joke. So I've talked to other pros, and one of the things they tell me all the time, especially guys that have made the transition from Corn Ferry Tour to PGA Tour, um, is that the courses, not only are they a little bit more difficult, they're also in much better overall condition. Aside from the courses, what kind of behind-the-scene things do you notice that are you know, kind of so much more elevated on the PGA Tour that maybe people don't think of? Like is the well, food is the food that much better? It, 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 are the rental cars that much better? Is the help with the travel that much better? Yeah, I mean it's dude, it's it's like so. I'll give you an example. So we uh, so we've obviously played. We played two out of states, uh, Mayakoba and Bermuda, and those were those were fine. I mean, I think if you've got the cash, both of those places can yield a pretty great experience. Um, I don't think they were. I don't think they're always the best experience for rookies, but it's just sort of a, you kind of got to spend money to make money. Um, right. Right. But then we show up in, in, I think it was sea Island and they're like, Oh yeah, your, your brand new X five is uh, your Beamer is sitting outside. Here, here are the keys. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like twist my arm. Like, uh, like it's not going to be, like it's not going to be a Mitsubishi Outlander. Holy shit! Like this is <laughs> this is going to be amazing. And yeah. you know, and that, and obviously the you know Davis, uh, Davis Love puts on a on a great show, and and they take great care of us there at Sea Island. And it's it's definitely an event where everybody, uh, especially because we've got so many guys that live in that area, um, but they just take great care of us. And obviously the golf course is unbelievable, but. I mean, so from breakfast to lunch to even what happens after the rounds, I mean, the food is probably one of the outside of the golf courses uh, is probably one of the biggest differences. Um, I mean, breakfast is always sort of tough because there's an omelet bar and they can make whatever eggs you want and there's bacon and there's biscuits and gravy and it's been sitting there and whatever. Like a buffet breakfast is never going to be so amazing unless, you know, talking about ordering off a menu but you know lunches are usually really really good and and you know it's not like you're going to roll up and see you know um thin crispy chicken tenders and and maybe some fries you're going to see roast beef or steak or really good chicken or really good fish or salad or whatever and and it's it's just more reliable and and you know they're not shutting they're not shutting things down at one o'clock in the afternoon when, you know, guys are coming in at, at you know, around that time or, or whatever, and the schedules are a little bit better and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not only are the purses 10 times better, but, but I think the golf courses, the courtesy cars, um, how well we're treated. Um, it, it feels like a lot of the places on the Corn Ferry Tour it feels like a burden to these to these folks, and it and it and it is. I mean, dealing with the tour is never easy, but um, 
they just don't see the value of the Corn Ferry Tour, I guess. And I think everybody understands that when the PGA Tour is in town, we bring in the millions, if not billions, of dollars worth of worth of uh, no, just cash. Period. Yeah, yeah, a ton of revenue off the tour. It, it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, the first event was on the Corn Ferry Tour that I ever got media credentials for. Uh, my buddy's caddying out there, who has since moved on to the uh, DP World Tour, Euro Tour, and we're making the turn, and he's like, hey, I'm going to run in. I'm going to go grab some Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Do you want one? I said, sure. Asked his player, do you want one? He says, sure. So he takes the order for the group. He runs into the little you know, tent there, comes out empty-handed. And I said, dude, what? Like, aren't you getting food? He's like, yeah, they, they said they ran out like four groups ago. I said, so there's no food for you guys. He says, no, there's no food for us. <laughs> so I completely, I completely understand, you know, and I've, and that I've heard. like, uh, was that Louisiana? Uh, no, it was the first year ever at Savannah before they really? became, yeah, before they became club car, like their first year that they've had it when it was just a oh. straight up Savannah golf championship. Now, since then, you know, uh, yeah, that event's pretty great. Actually. Yeah, it's it is pretty great. Um, and I think maybe with you know Club Car being that official sponsor there, maybe throwing a little bit more money or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was it was a crazy show the first year they had because they're in the landings, right? That retirement mm-hmm. community, and every volunteer was just you know a seventy-year-old, seventy-five, eighty-year-old individual. It was uh, it was like going to the villages or something like that. It was pretty wild. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly what it is. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, what's the vibe like for rookies out on the PGA Tour? You know, because obviously you've got guys that have been out there for years that want to keep their card. And you you know as well as I do and most golf fans do that once you get your card, you know, after that first year making that top 125, top 150, it's it's pretty easy to to keep it, you know, because you get into so many events that rookies don't. Is is there any or did you notice any animosity out there or people pretty welcoming? Uh, I didn't have um, any issue, uh, really. I mean, there there have been you know, a couple of times of where I said something to somebody or asked somebody a question and whether I timed it poorly or they just happened to be in a bad mood, um, you know, they kind of give you the look of why are you talking to me? Um, which each and every time that happens, I look at my caddy and tell them if I ever treat anybody like that, they should just go ahead and, and hit me over the head. But For sure. <laughs> um, you know, and it, but the the amazing thing is, is, is um, I'll give you a great example. Um, so Johnson Wagner, uh, let's see, this was the first event back, second event back in COVID, so 2020. Uh, he and I were playing a practice round, and you know we had a chat afterwards, and I was talking about missing cuts and and how to get basically get away from that. And I, I think you and I might have talked about it, but you know he put his finger in my chest and he said, "Get off the fucking cut line," and you know, so fast forward two years later, we're both walking down the fairways kind of adjacent to one another in Bermuda. And it was on the weekend. And I sort of, hey, Johnson, I got off the cut line and he fucking, and he gave me a big fist bump. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and since, you know, and James Hahn, um, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to so many guys, Jason Duffner and, and some of these guys that, that, you know, you hope 
you hope and pray that they're really as cool as they seem. And a lot of the times it's, and they're even cooler. And, you know, um, we've, we were fortunate enough to get talked to by Ryan Palmer and Kevin Streelman. Um, they, they flew up, they weren't playing in Napa and I think Streels was, but, but, uh, Palmer wasn't, and they flew up and, and they talked to us at the, at the rookie meeting and, and, you know, I have not had a single instance where I like regretted aside from like, like the couple I, I mentioned where it's like, Oh, like that, I really feel bad for being a rookie. It's kind of like, no, I, I earned my way here and they, everybody knows my story and everybody knows how I got out here. Um, so at least for me, I haven't had any animosity or issues with, with being a rookie. I'd say that there's a, there's a pretty clear divide between the three, you know, between the rookies, between those that are maybe not veterans, but they're definitely not rookies. And then the guys that are, you know, at the top, um, you know, there's a, there's a pretty clear distinction. Um, just how things are and how they're treated and, and what events they get to play in and whatnot. But, um, you know, the whole idea is that you pay your dues and, you know, then you don't have to worry about it ever again. So. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like any job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Put in your time. That's it. That's it. So you, you mentioned kind of like that rookie meeting. I didn't know that. Is that like the NBA or the NFL rookie symposium where they kind of sit you down, explain how the tour works? What's that all about? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it, it's definitely not any, uh, any big, huge secret or classified by any means. Um, but I, I would say that it's a two or three day excursion where uh, there's a lot of wine, there's a lot of good food, um, but there's also a lot of sitting and sort of chatting or getting chatted to uh, from different tour representatives about each little niche or little piece of the tour that maybe we didn't know already. Uh, I personally believe that there's there's a lot that could be streamlined and they're kind of using it for, you know, basically basically to 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 say hey you know let's celebrate um let's celebrate this accomplishment and i think that that's a really good thing um but uh at the same time i kind of don't um there's so much that we have to do when it comes to golf um you know the the the, the majority of of what we talked about i suppose um, could have been in an email. But, <laughs> so, so well, basically or, like yeah. any job. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I, I think, you know, they put us up at the Meritage and they took care of us for, for two, two, two days and three nights. And, and it was a fantastic experience. Uh, and I'm super thankful for it, but, um, it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't leave me with this overwhelming desire to do a bunch of that stuff. If that makes sense. Like, For I sure. don't, I, I, I've never been one to, um, you know, be like, Oh, you know, come to this, this party or that party or this event or that event. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm here to, to work and, you know, and, and I'm here to, to put my head down and, and, and go to work. And I think that, some people can take that the wrong way and, and others kind of understand, but um, I think it was, I think it was a fucking blast. I got 
very hammered one of the nights and probably drank too much to begin with, but um, I don't have to ever do it again. So yeah, kind of cool. So it was that was all twenty five of you that came from the Corn Ferry tour up. So uh, every rookie that came from the fifty cards. Oh, okay, right? okay. The first twenty five and the second twenty five. So every rookie that came from the combined bit there. Um, obviously, there were guys that got their card back. Uh, there were a bunch of rookies that that you know got their card for the first time. Some older guys, some younger guys, and, and some in between. And and uh, and then you know everybody else that got their card through the playoffs or otherwise, um, you know, was able to chill out that week. Cool, makes sense. Um, so your your PGA Tour, you know, career. Um, what do we got? We got uh, seven events. Is that right? Seven, eight events or something? Uh, total this year, I played nine in my <clears throat> lifetime. I've played. Uh, let's see, that was my third Sony. So. Oh yeah, it is. So, yeah. yeah, I've played eleven. I've played eleven total. Uh, but yeah, this season I played eleven PJ Tour events, and I think twenty something uh, Corn Fairy Tour events. So. It was a uh, long year. Very busy year. Yeah, long, long grind. So <laughs> your your last four events, um, you, you know, you made two cuts out of those, right? The RSM, awesome. The the Butterfield, Bermuda. Uh, you know, I know that that you're a dude from talking with you for these last few years. That is, you know, you go into a tournament and you think hands down, like I can destroy this course. I can, I can, I can win this thing. Um, so with those two cuts, being you know, under the umbrella of having your PGA Tour card, is that something you're satisfied with? Are are you happy with those, or are you? And I see you kind of shaking your head there. And I, I think I think I already know the answer. I'm gonna ask it anyway. Um, you know, let me let me rephrase it this way then. I don't want to say it's disappointing because obviously, dude, you made the PGA Tour. That's the ultimate goal, right? But were you disappointed in those two? And if you were you know, how disappointed in only making those two cuts, let's say? Well, um, obviously to start the PGA Tour season, um, you know, narrowly missing that cut and being, as I said, drinking too much, uh, you know, in the in the weekend prior. And I think I slept wrong and I had a bum shoulder that week. And there was a bunch of different things that were going on on top of, being a rookie uh, that, you know, I was dealing with. But, um, you know, that was disappointing because I know that golf course up there in Napa, um, and it's a golf course that suits me very, very well. Uh, the next week I, I changed caddies, and, you know, basically I, I had one of the worst rounds I've played all year and then probably one of one of the better rounds that I've played uh, as well. So it, it was kind of a weird one there. Uh, Vegas was... Uh, just a terrible attitude. Um, I think I knew that that the guy I had in the bag, who was a great guy, but I, and I learned a lot from him. But the vibe wasn't there. Uh, okay. And I missed. I think I missed the cut by one or two. Yeah, that was a uh, two under total, one forty for the two days there at Shriners. Yeah. So I I I hit five iron from like two forty to like two feet on my last hole on Friday to make eagle, and I think I missed it by one or two. Uh, that was hilarious. Uh, and then, oh goodness. And then I think, yep, I made the cotton Butterfield. And, yep. um, you know, I was 
think I was like top 10 or top 15 in putting. Uh, I was like top three in birdies. Um, and essentially all it came down to was a couple of decisions and a couple of holes that, uh, you know, maybe I was moving a little too quick on that prevented me from top tenning. Um, and then the very next week, Mayakoba, I, my irons, I found out in Houston the week after Mayakoba that the, my irons were bent, uh, I, I think from, from just travel. Uh, bent a degree to standard when they're supposed to be flat. So I was missing everything left and didn't know why. And then I found out my three wood had a flat spot in it. And that golf course handicaps you, especially people like me, uh, you have to hit uh, three wood and two iron. And I just fucking couldn't find the fairway. So so it takes, dri- it takes driver out of, out of your hand then? Yeah, so it took driver out of my hand. Uh, and just, I mean, even on the par five seventh, I'll give you an example full swing driver hits me into that cave bunker and right. I couldn't hit three wood far enough or straight enough to be able to go three with three wood, even though if I was hitting, if my three wood had not been had a flat spot in it and it was good and I could rely on, rely on it, I probably would have made the cut, but that's neither here nor there. We could go the coulda, woulda, shoulda game all day long, but, um, well, let me, inter- let me interrupt real quick. Cause those are two like super interesting points that you made. Irons bent due to travel. I think people don't realize, you know, you're traveling with your clubs just like I would travel if I went out to Bandon or something like that. You know, there it's it's not, you know, it's not. There's no special PGA Tour plane that's flying all the clubs everywhere. Um, and you, you mentioned the flat spot and the three wood. So I'm gonna assume that club testing on site showed you that, or did you have to go off on your own to get that checked? So the week before Mexico, we had an off week. Uh, I had an off week because I think they were playing the CJ Cup. Uh, and I had obviously taken a little bit of time off, but, you know, my swing was fine. I was dialed in and I was, I was working with my trainer and I couldn't seem to hit three wood, you know, keep it from spinning all over the place and just not being consistent. So I looked at it, I, I put a card over it and I just felt like something was off. Um, but obviously my eye is not as trained as, as, as some of my club guys over at Srixon are, um, you know, and then, so I went to Mexico and so this was already too late. I couldn't get another three wood. Um, and when you're, when you're international, you're not getting any clubs or balls or anything like that. Um, so I was kind of SOL for about 10 days. Um, and then when I went to Houston on Monday, uh, I gave the guy my three, but he goes, yep, there's a flat spot right here. Huh. I go, awesome. So I got two new three woods built, um, almost identical. One, one's my gamer and the other one's backup. And then I also found out that my irons were built, were bent, excuse me, uh, too far upright. So it literally, I mean, it happens, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's part of, the game it's part of travel and it's part of being on tour uh and then you know my coach was in houston and that was probably the most disappointing one because i was hitting it really really well my short game was unbelievable i had a great field for the greens um and i played really really well on the first day i think i was i think i was top 10 uh top 10 or top 20 or whatever it was after the first day uh, i went to sleep I think one or two shots off the lead and I woke up and I was 10 shots off the lead. Um, 
Tony Finau obviously played unbelievable golf. <laughs> right, unbelievable, right. But he played his golf. Yeah. Um, and then I had to play my second nine for my second round, uh, starting out on six at six thirty or seven thirty uh, in borderline freezing wind. Uh, when the guys in the other side of the wave uh, were able to play two rounds in above 75 degrees with almost no wind. So if you look at the leaderboard and if you were able to look at the leaderboard after Friday or Saturday, you would see that almost nobody from the backside of my wave made the cut and almost everybody from at the other side of the wave did. So uh, it happens. The weather, the weather changes things, um, and it's supposed to to even out over the course of a year, over the course of a career. But right, sometimes it doesn't that though. Sucked. That one sucked, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and then I got to I got to Georgia, and I was my back was sore and tired, and and somehow I made the cut, even with an absolute horrid, horrid attitude. Uh, but I was I made the cut and. Played okay on Sunday and and uh, you know I, I don't even know how I pulled that off honestly, <laughs> but it happened and then uh, yeah I mean, my girlfriend and I went to Mexico after the week after that and for her thirtieth birthday and and uh, got back and I was I think I almost died somehow and alive but. Uh, I was like sick or something, and and then now I'm working hard this week, and fuck, I leave in what's the name? The seventh? I leave in a month for Hawaii. So, so now with this off season, um, I'm assuming you have your schedule planned. Are are you one of the guys? Like, are you gonna play every single week that you get in? So, uh. I'll play, um, so I think I'm guaranteed, as of now, um, I'm guaranteed the Sony, American Express, Tory Pines, and AT&T. Okay, um, so, that to, so all the way up through um, early February. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not guaranteed waste management, and I'd have to win, I think, in order to get into RIV. And that's because um, waste management and RIV are now the elevated events, correct? Correct. So everybody's going to play in waste, excuse me, waste management. So it'll be a huge surprise if anybody from the Corn Ferry Tour category gets in. Um, and then RIV is an invitation. So and it's right. only, only 120 man field. So um, those two are, are a stretch. And then Arnold Palmer, I can get in by playing really, really good golf. I think I got to be top 70. Um, but then we've got the Puerto Rico, I think that is opposite the Arnold Palmer. Correct. So, yep. yeah. And then I think we've got Dominican. That's the one after that. That's opposite Valspar, I think. Ah, doesn't really matter. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it, it's, there's several events that, that, you know, um, that I'm going to, I'm going to get into that I'm definitely going to play. I think my big thing is, is playing as much as I can, but if I play really, really well and, and kind of earn myself the off weeks like I did last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, um, you know, winning takes care of a lot. So uh, my schedule will become significantly shorter 
uh, when we play really, really well. So. Right, right. Now, are there any – now, let, let me ask you this. Um, do they give you – the PGA Tour, I mean, do they give you, like, almost a cheat sheet or so for each course? Like, I, like I'm thinking, do they have a digital document at all that, you know, says, okay – like here's lodging for this course. He, you know, you're gonna get this car, et cetera, et cetera. You're gonna, you know, lodging is is through here. Um, use this flight, stuff like that. Or is the travel aspect still kind of on your own a bit? Because that's one of the craziest things about tour life. You know, you're a professional athlete for a team sport in a league, and that team takes care of everything. You know, your team grant, so you take care of everything on that aspect. Yeah, I mean, so I've got um, a pretty amazing travel agent, um, Michelle. She's she's great. Um, she knows where the good hotels are, where the bad ones are. Uh, if they happen to fall in the list of hotels that the tour gives us, that the tour happen to get to get get a discount from, that's great. If not, then it's no big deal. But uh, and then generally, there's a courtesy car, so. Um, you know, they'll say, Hey, pick up your, you know, email or text so-and-so, uh, your flight info and, you know, they'll, they'll make sure you have a car when you need one, whether it's on Sunday or Monday or whatever. And so, excuse me. And so, um, that's about it though. I mean, the, 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 the schedule is, is usually laid out the week before we know when we can go, where we can go. Um, you know, they, they give, I think the player services give like, gives like a, a list of restaurants that we can go, um, that are and whatnot. And, and, um, sort of recommended, but other than that, I mean, it's not really, you know, flights are always on our own and we're booking everything. I can tell you that aside from the courtesy car, um, you know, so all the expenses are on us. Any tournament or course that you're truly looking forward to playing well aside from the sony um that's obviously going right to that's be, a home that's a homecoming there yeah so it's literally uh so i found out or not found out but i knew that i was the third uh player from hawaii to ever get their pga tour card um and the last person to do it was parker mclaughlin and that was quite a long time ago so um, not quite a long time ago. It was a while ago, but he, but he and Dean Wilson both won, um, which is something I haven't done yet. But uh, and then so you know, showing up, uh, and this being the first time I don't have to qualify or get an exemption means I can show up when I want to show up, where I want to show up, and there's no, there's no sense of ooing and eyeing. It's I'm here. This is my show. We're here. We're here to get this done. And so there's no like, oh, if you play well in the Sony, maybe you can get into the American Express. No, we're in the Sony. We're in the American Express. We're in Tory because we have a PGA Tour card. And so there's none of this like exempt player or Monday qualifying Tour Pro sense anymore. It's we've earned this. And when I step on the tee on Thursday, um, whether it's Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon uh, at Wiley, it's going to be it's going to be a special one, and I'm going to put on a show. 
you feel like having that tour card and knowing the tournaments that you are getting into and have already, you know, quote unquote qualified for, does that take a little pressure off of you on the season, knowing that, hey, you know, I've 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 got these, you know, in the bag, or are you the type of guy that has that self-imposed pressure? Yeah, Dan. I mean, honestly, you know me pretty well, but but it's it's difficult to ever say that there isn't any pressure or expectation or um, desire to to really keep the pedal down. Um, I think that my biggest downfall or mistake last year after I won in Nashville was sort of thinking that it was in the bag. Um, okay, and there was a lot of talk about Napa and a lot of talk about the schedule in general and nothing was locked up. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's another thing that, that obviously going through that peak and then having it be pretty deep Valley, uh, and then having it all culminate in Indiana. I think that's probably another thing that, that drove that reaction. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've tried to perform as best I possibly can every single time. And I think that um, this year on the PGA Tour, like I said, the, the idea is to be inside the top 70. And I know for a fact that I have to play really, really good golf to be there. Um, but at the same time, it's not out of the realm of my ability by any stretch of the imagination that not only can I be in the top 70, but we can be, we can be pretty high up there. So, and in order to do that, we have to keep the pedal down. Um, so it, it never stops ever until you're Tiger Woods. And, right. you know, it, it, that's something I really kind of try to impart on people, specifically, you know, younger players that they have to understand it never, ever stops when you, become a rookie on the corn Ferry tour, or even if you are some of the lucky guys that, that, you know, get to go straight out to the PGA tour, you know, until you win over and over and over and over again for about 10 years, it's never over. It's literally like, it's, it's kind of almost a impossible climb to look at uh, because you just don't quite realize what it means to be able to plug and play and be able to show up to an event when and where, however you want to show up like tiger, like Rory, like, you know, Dustin, all these, all those other guys can or could, um, you know, before live tour. Yeah. I will get to that in a second, but I think it's, it's funny you mentioned tiger because tiger's the type of guy that even though he could rest on his laurels, he never did and was always pushing the pedal, which is in turn, the reason why he won so many times, you know, it just becomes cyclical. Uh, so you mentioned DJ not being able to play and stuff like that in the live tour. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'll oh, leave it DJ. as a big, big, <laughs> nah, no, the, whole, the whole live tour <laughs> in and of itself. I'll leave it as a big open-ended question like that. What are your thoughts? Oh, come on, Dan. You're better than that. <laughs> um, well, obviously, there are several guys that I've watched for many years that I wish um, they could be out competing uh, on the PGA Tour. Um, there are a few guys 
that are that decided to go to the live tour that felt that it was the best decision for them um and that's why they went it wasn't out of spite or they didn't talk a bunch of shit or anything like that it was just hey you know what this is money that that my family and i can use for generations and i don't want to play that much golf to begin with and quite honestly i'm okay with it and you know what that's great i don't blame a single person for going um i've obviously been asked umpteen times by different people if I would go, how much it would take, and so on and so forth. And, you know, the guys over there, there are a few of my, there, there's at least one of my really good friends that, that uh, is involved over there, and he has a blast, and, and I, I wish them all the best. But um, there's not a way you could convince me that being on the PGA Tour isn't, um, I, I shouldn't say there's not a way you could convince me. As of now, I can't see a reason why being on the PGA Tour doesn't benefit somebody whose goals are to be one of the best players in the world. Um, generational money is something that can be earned and Every single one of those guys that got the money from Liv earned it in one way or another and, and or are earning it as we speak um, with, with what they do on the golf courses out there. Um, but as far as Dustin and the specific guys go, it sucks because I personally uh, just wanted to compete against them and I felt that, or I still feel that um, they have things that they can offer the golf world, and it's unfortunate that it's unfortunate that those you know the things that are preventing them from being on the PGA Tour are pretty cut and dry. Uh, but it's kind of a it's kind of like a, a weird balancing act that you have to do because the rules, while they are pretty clear. Uh, with regards to the releases and the suspensions, if you don't get a release, um, it doesn't make any sense that that you know we're quote unquote independent contractors, and yet you know we can't go and play on another tour. Right. That's tour it's funny you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's funny you mentioned that because our, our image or or or, or whatnot and or something or other. And I, I really haven't gotten into the details or, or care to, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but it is. Yeah. They made me a bunch more money for sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too deep into the weeds on that, but you know, historically the PGA tour has always said, you know, they're independent contractors and that's why they were able to play on the Euro tour. If they wanted the Australasian tour or, or whatever. Um, so, I mean, that's a little murky, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, it was a that's a nice um, you know uh, media way of putting it. Uh, have have you been asked at all to join? No, no. Okay, no, so no one's ever approached you. No, I, I. Okay. I I uh, I think my background as it stands uh, is probably. Um, I would think might be a little bit off-putting to the people that own that tour. 
I'm not, I'd assume so, but again, <laughs> you know how assumptions go. Of uh, course. But, there's, but there are plenty of, there are plenty of, of, of reasons why uh, I wouldn't go outside of who I am as a person and how I was brought up, uh, certainly the, the rest of my family. Um, but, you know, and a lot of those kind of center around the idea that, you know what, uh, if it is a choice, if you're saying basically a play on the PGA tour or play on the live tour, then I'm going to play on the PGA tour because you can't tell me that winning a live tour event is somehow prestigious in any way, shape or form. Because right. if I wanted to go play against Dustin Johnson and Brooks and Gooch and a couple other guys, I just make a couple phone calls and tell them to meet me down in down in South Carolina or wherever the fuck they want to play, and we can go play. Right. We go play for three days, and we put up a bunch of money, and we play for it. And it's that's essentially, in my opinion, what I've seen from the coverage from who's won every flipping event, and you know, and and it's fun and it's a blast for those guys. And a lot of those guys has worked their tails off to get there, and I'm so happy for them. But again. If it's a choice between playing in Jack's event or Arnie's event or Tiger's event and a live tour event, I'm sorry, you're just not. You can't convince me that it's going to be, it's going to be any any. It's not going to be worth any any more than those events. That's for sure. Let right. Alone, it'd be even the same level, maybe in 10, 15 years, but by that time, I'm I'm well past my prime. So. <laughs> And uh, just to kind of clarify for maybe some new listeners uh, or those that don't know Grant, he comes from a, you know, a very military family. Um, you know, so there's, there's a, a ton of pride in, in the U.S. military there. Um, so maybe that clarifies some of you know, the comments <laughs> and, and background that he's, he's talking about. Um, so let, let's get to this offseason real quick. I'll get you out of here you know, on this. What have you been up to this offseason? Are, are you grinding on the range? Are you, you know, just taking it easy, relaxing? Are you, is it a mix between the two? Like, what's a day in the life look like now in one of these off weeks? Well, so, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we uh, got out of the RSM, and that was, I think, my 30th or 30-plus event of the year. Um, certainly, I feel it feels like more than 30. Um, and it was a long year. It was a long couple, three years, um, you know, from 2019 all the way to all the way to now, um, and the body was tired, and it just wasn't feeling great. So I took took my girlfriend to Mexico, and, and for her birthday, and, and we had a blast there, and, and didn't touch a club. And then I was sick when I came back, so I didn't touch a club there. So since Sunday uh, of RSM, which was the week before Thanksgiving, I didn't touch a club for for almost two weeks. So uh, Monday of this week. I think Monday or Tuesday uh, was the first time that I had I had even swung a club. So this week we are working really really hard in the gym, trying to get the body to match the swing, um, rather than you know trying to swing a certain way to do something with the golf ball. It's it's let's make sure the body can operate as easy as possible for the swing that we need to make. Uh, so we're doing that a lot and then hitting a few balls, um, out at TPC, uh, 
and then shooting shooting some guns and trying to get trying to get uh, some some relaxation in at the same time. So uh, it's it's kind of a you know a juggle. Next week we're going to or this week, excuse me, later this week, we're going to be in California, and then we're going to be in the Des, uh, Palm Desert next week, getting prepped for the American Express uh, before Christmas time. So work is going to is going to ramp up right before, right after Christmas, uh, and then right before Sony, and then that's going to be about a two-week thing, and then we're off and rolling, and probably we'll talk to you in about a year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and at that point in time, hopefully there's uh, you know, a win or two under your belt, maybe uh, you know, a master's appearance or something along those lines, and uh, and we're rolling forward, you know. Yeah, buddy, that's the idea. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brent, you know, again, man, I I can't thank you enough. You know, I'm. I, truly appreciate the rapport and the relationship over these last few years. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I know this is always one of our most popular episodes. People love hearing the candor. People love your honesty out there. Um, and they love following along and, and now they're going to follow you on the PJ tour, man. Yeah, man. I, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride, uh, thus far. Uh, and I hope to, uh, first of all, I hope to actually meet you in person, which would be sick. Uh, but also, uh, you know, I'm really thankful for these conversations. They bring to light a few things for me, uh, that I, I think about, especially when it comes to, to just, you know, obviously when we talk about junior golf and stuff like that, but, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's a blast. I, I really appreciate it. And, and to all the listeners out there, let's, let's make it a, let's make it a fucking great year. Hell yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hey, podcast patrons, it's Dan. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but just wanted to make you aware that we are now being sponsored by Cam Moore Sports. You've seen it in our Instagram stories, you've seen it in our posts and our reels, and you've heard it right here on Leave the Pin Podcast. Cam Moore Sports does golf GPS to perfection, whether it be the watches, the handheld devices, anything you need, they've got. Know your exact distances. Increase your greens and regulations, decrease your putts, and look like a damn better golfer out there doing it. Go to our Instagram page, at LeaveThePin, and check out the link to save 15% off all Cam Moore Sports products. While you're at it, leave us a rating and a comment on iTunes. Help us grow so we can serve you, the people. Now back to our episode. <laughs> 